Good morning. John chapter 14 this morning as we continue our series on the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel chapter 14. When Jesus was on the cross, he committed his spirit to his Father. He said, into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. His earthly body, after he died on the cross, was committed to one Joseph of Arimathea, who buried him in one of the tombs that he owned. His clothing became the property of the Roman soldiers who were gambling at the foot of the cross for those pieces of clothing. His mother he committed into the care of John the Apostle, the one who wrote this gospel. When he said, while he was hanging on the cross, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold this woman. It was a way of Jesus saying, She's now entrusted to your care, John. You're to look after her. What did he leave his disciples? Well, in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says to his disciples, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. That was of greatest value and worth to his followers both then and would be in the coming days. God's peace. You see, John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, we could characterize as Jesus' sort of last will and testament. Jesus knew that Soon, he was going to die on the cross. He was going to be raised from the dead. He was going to show himself alive for 40 days while he was still on earth. But then he was going to ascend back to heaven. And he would no longer be on the earth. Therefore, he was using this time to prepare his followers for when he left. And he wanted to remind them that He was going to give them everything that they would need in order to navigate life without him physically being present on earth. And that far from it lacking in any way, that if they understood what he was leaving to them, they would actually thrive after he left, not just survive. In fact, he even told them, You'll do greater works than I could ever do because of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. In fact, the Gospel of John John has been called sort of the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. He's mentioned more in this Gospel than any of the other Gospels. And the reason why Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you my peace here in John 14, 27, is because at the beginning of chapter 14, he knew that when he started to tell them he was leaving and would not physically be with them anymore, notice, their hearts were distressed. Their hearts were troubled. And Jesus saw that right away. 
And he says to them in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be distressed. You are filled with fear and you are agitated and you are all worked up because I gave you this news that I'm not going to be with you much longer. In fact, we see Jesus repeating this very same thing after he tells them, I'm leaving you my peace in verse 27. Notice what he goes on to say. Do not let your hearts be distressed or lacking in courage. This news that Jesus gave them about him departing just turned their world upside down. And yet Jesus is saying to them, don't be upset. Don't be troubled. Don't allow this news to distress you so. I want to give you my peace. And in the midst of all this too, Jesus is going to teach them about the coming Holy Spirit and his ministry in their lives and how they can through him experience this peace that passes all understanding, Paul said, as they go through life without him physically being present. God is always about preparing his people. Just as he did the disciples for what he knew was going to lie ahead for them. All the challenges that they would face as they began to form the church that Jesus Christ would build. And all the persecution and affliction that would come against the early church. And how their lives, you know, needed to have the peace of God and the strength of God in it at all times. And Jesus is saying, this will come to you when I leave. I will send to you my spirit. So today, I want us to understand that God is preparing us as well. He's preparing each of us here who are followers of Jesus Christ individually. Because he knows there are things that you and I need to make sure we have in our lives and that we are in a spiritually healthy, good place because I know what's coming that you don't know yet. And you're going to need that peace. And you're going to need that strength. And you're going to need all these things. So you need to make sure that, you know, you hear me, Jesus is saying. But Jesus also, as I've said in the last couple of weeks, is preparing us as a church for very similar things. That we're not just going to be moving into our own church facility, but by raising our profile and by putting our own footprint in this East Valley, there's going to be new challenges and new seasons ahead and, and new things. And we're going to, as a church, need to make sure that we are taking in all the preparation that God wants to do in our lives. So once we get to that place, we can rise to the challenges and, and, and go through the trials and, and, and be able to even become all that God wants us to be as a church. Preparation. God is always preparing us. And here in this chapter, Jesus is going to remind his disciples that when he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, there's four distinct ministries that the Holy Spirit will bring to their lives. The first one I want you to see is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Our supernatural helper. Jesus says in verse 15 of John 14, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. 
Then I will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot accept because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He resides with you and will be in you. And Jesus goes on to say, I will not abandon you as orphans. In other words, like an orphan, you will never be all alone. You may think that by me leaving physically and going back to heaven, that somehow now you are here to navigate life all alone without someone to provide and protect and look out for you and care for you as maybe an orphan would if they lose their family or their parents. And Jesus is saying, I will not leave you all alone. In fact, Jesus even said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But the reason why his followers never have to be alone or feel alone is because he said, when I go, I will ask the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another advocate. It means a supernatural helper, comforter, strengthener. <laughs> I can't even say that word. In fact, in the Latin, comforte, where we get the word comfort from in English, literally means with strength. The Holy Spirit's presence in our life will provide us with strength. He will strengthen us. He will comfort us. He will come alongside of us and be our support and our helper and our encourager. In fact, there's really not one word or even several words in our language that can sort of sum up what the word advocate means. But I like supernatural helper. And we know that this advocate is the Holy Spirit because Jesus again refers to him that way in verse 26. He says, but the advocate who is the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. So we know that's who the advocate is. It is the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus is saying to his followers, look, I'm not going to leave you all alone. You're going to have the Holy Spirit in your life. And he will always be there to be a supernatural helper for you. Not just any helper. Not just the kind of help that you and I can get from other human beings, which is fine at times and great at times, but this raises it to a whole other level. Now you have God helping you at all times. In fact, a couple of things Jesus here says about the Holy Spirit that's very important. In verse 16, he calls the Holy Spirit another advocate. And the word another means another of the same kind or of the same quality. And the reason why that's important is Jesus saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not like you get leftovers now or you get second best from God because I leave. In other words, he's elevating the Holy Spirit to the same level as him. He's saying there's no drop off in you receiving the Holy Spirit, even though I'm gone. He is equal with me. And that's exactly what we believe about the Trinity. That even though God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit exist in three distinct persons, they are absolutely equal as God. One God, three persons. So it's not like 
You and I now have the Holy Spirit in our lives and somehow we have less than we would if Jesus was right here with us. Jesus saying, no, in no way. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, is omniscient. All the things that God is, the Holy Spirit is because he is 100% fully God. Another thing Jesus reminds us of here that many times even Christians sort of struggle to wrap their minds around is is that the Holy Spirit is not some force. He's a person. Notice the personal pronouns here that Jesus uses in verse 16 and 17. He says, because... It does not see him, speaking of the world not being able to receive him, or know him. But Jesus says to his own followers, but you know him. A him can't be an it. And Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit is not only equal to me and the Father, but he is a person. A person. And then Jesus says something very important to his disciples. He says that the Holy Spirit already has been residing with them in the sense that when they needed his help during Jesus' earthly ministry to perform miracles and to teach and to do the things that Jesus asked them to do, he was with them. But come Pentecost... When we get into Acts and the Holy Spirit literally falls, then Jesus says, He will be in you. In you. And Jesus says, This will be forever. Forever. The Holy Spirit will be with them. You see that at the end of verse 16. He will be with you forever. Jesus is speaking about an abiding, permanent relationship where the Holy Spirit isn't just beside them as Jesus was when he walked the earth with them in a human body, but now he will indwell every true believer in Jesus Christ, which means that this supernatural helper that we have literally goes with us everywhere we go. There's no time at all if he's in us and will be with us forever, that that we don't have the help of God in our lives. That there's no time at all where we may feel alone, but we're not alone. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us now and dwells within us and will be with us, how long? Forever. In fact, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, to believers, that we are no longer of the flesh, but of the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in us. And if one does not have the Spirit of God, then he does not belong to God. The Bible clearly teaches that if you and I do not have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, then we are not a Christian, though we may claim to be. That we are not or that we do not have a relationship with God, even though we may claim to that the mark of a true believer in Jesus Christ is the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's not baptism. It's not anything external that we can do. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the true mark 
That's the one that can't be faked. That, that's the one that truly marks who the people of God are and who they are not. And when the people of God have the indwelling God living inside of them and will be with them forever, then as Jesus reminded his own followers, we have a helper. And not just any helper, a supernatural helper who comes all the time with strength to strengthen us for whatever you and I are going to deal with and face in our lives. We never have to feel that we are deficient or lacking in strength because by the mere presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, who is the omnipotent God, we will always have the strength that we need if you and I stay connected to the Holy Spirit and learn to rely and depend on the one who lives within us rather than facing life on our own in our own strength. The second thing Jesus says is that the Holy Spirit is not only our supernatural helper, but the Holy Spirit brings God's presence to us. What do I mean by that? Well, just like we talk here sometimes at the Oasis and maybe even amongst one another, that you sense God's presence or you know God is here and you you sort of feel Him in a tangible, palpable way. How can you and I do that? How, how can human beings, flesh and blood, somehow get connected to the spiritual world that is invisible and unseen through the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit sort of bridges the gap between the seen and the unseen. And the Holy Spirit is the one that makes God's presence very real to us in our lives. Sad to say, there are many Christians and many churches and and maybe even professing, obviously, people that, that never have truly felt the presence of God in their lives, or at least it's been a long, long time since they felt the presence of God. In other words, when you and I or someone would talk about feeling the presence of God, like sometimes we do even here at the Oasis, some of people would be like, what? What are you talking about? I've, I've never felt the presence of God. And the reason that may be is either one does not have the Holy Spirit in their lives, so they are incapable of understanding the presence of something unseen and yet you can feel it, or else they're not tapping in and connecting to and relying and depending on the one who brings God's presence to us, who makes it real. That's why I know that if there were people, you know, sometimes in my house besides myself, they would probably commit me to some, you know, institution. Because I'll go around my house when I'm all by myself and I'm talking to Jesus. And if my neighbors looked in, they go, who's he talking to? But you got to understand, to me as spiritual people who have that presence of God very real in our lives, we have no trouble talking to an invisible God. Because we know He's there. We know He's with us. And how do we know that? How can we sense it? Through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He makes God's presence very real to us. And that's what Jesus is teaching. Notice the words that Jesus uses here. Look at the end of verse 18. Jesus says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Come to you how? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he goes on to say. In a little while, the world will not see me any longer, but you will see me. How will they see him? He's going back to heaven. 
through the Holy Spirit. Because I live, you will live too. And then he goes on in verse 20 to say, you will know at that time. What time is he talking about? I believe he's talking about Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit will come and permanently indwell his followers. That I am in my Father, and you are in me, and notice this, that I am in you. In other words, Jesus is sort of like blowing their minds. You know the commercial where the top of the head goes, because here's why. Remember, they're troubled. Jesus, you can't leave us. We'll, we won't know you anymore. And, 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 and there's so much more about you that we want to know. And Jesus like, time out, guys. Do you realize that when I physically leave you and I send my Holy Spirit into your life, that you will know more about me than you ever could while I was physically with you? Because when I'm physically with you, limited in this human body, there's only so much sort of connection and knowledge and understanding and comprehension you will have of me. But when the Holy Spirit, who is one with me, like no one else other than the Father is one with me, when He comes in and dwells within you, do you realize that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you have a God who knows me better than anyone else in the universe could ever know me, and He's literally inside of you, in your life, in your heart, in your mind, and He is filling you with my presence and the knowledge of me like you could never have any other way. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you think you know me now? You will really know me when the Holy Spirit comes in. If you learn to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and be filled in the Spirit and and rely and depend upon this Spirit of God, you see. What, What encouragement Jesus is trying to give here to folks that are troubled and and exasperated and frustrated and and full of fear at what the future holds. And Jesus says, you don't need to be afraid. I'm leaving you my peace. And how are you going to experience my peace? Through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. He will be your supernatural helper. He will be in you and with you forever. And he will bring God's presence real close to you so that you don't have to ever feel like God's really far away because obviously God living in you and then bringing me into you that you'll know I'm right there with you too. There's a third thing Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pick it up in verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my word and my father will love him and we will come to him. Now notice it again, Jesus saying, the father and me will come to you. How? Through the Holy Spirit. Because they're all one. So if you've got the one who lives in you, then obviously you're going to have the father and the son there as well. But then he says this, and take up residence with him. The third ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus declares to his disciples is this. The Holy Spirit prepares room or makes space for God to dwell in our lives. Let me repeat that. The Holy Spirit prepares room or makes space for God to dwell in our lives. As I've said many times before, when a person gets saved or expresses faith in Christ as their Savior, they get all the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about that. God does not give His Spirit sparingly in limited measure, John 3, 34. We get all the Holy Spirit. 
But when a person gets saved, God doesn't get all of us. There are parts of our life that we have yet to yield over and turn over to God. We, unlike God, who doesn't believe in compartmentalization, human beings are really good at compartmentalization. And even as Christians, we're like, well, God... uh, You can have that part of my life and and you can have that aspect of my life and I'll give you control over this and that. uh, but, But this is mine, God. This is mine. And what Jesus is saying is one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit will come into our life and literally try to continually go through sort of a spring cleaning for us. He tries to get rid of all the clutter in our lives that doesn't have to be there or need to be there so that you and I can have more of God in our life. Because let's face it, even as Christians, many times God is sort of pushed to the fringe or to the edge of our lives. Instead of Him being at the very center and priority and having preeminence in our lives, we go, God, it's really nice that you know I've got you and I know you're out there and whatever, but pretty much I'm going to fill up my life with the things that I want to do and, and all these different things. And, and, and if there's any space left over, God, you'll get that space. Well, see, the Holy Spirit, when He comes into our lives, He's continually and constantly working on us to try to get rid of the clutter. It's, it's like coming into our spiritual garage and saying, oh, Jeff, that doesn't need to be there. If you got rid of that in that corner, then look at how much more room I could fill up there. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Can I tell you, too, that's one of the reasons why a lot of times people avoid the Holy Spirit. They avoid church where God's presence is being felt and, and where he's moving because they don't want to get rid of the clutter. They don't want to go through any kind of spiritual house cleaning in their lives. They sort of like the way things are, and they know that if they continue to allow the Holy Spirit to work, that he, He's going to try to move some things out so that God can more prominently move in. But that's exactly what Jesus says. Take up residence. The word doesn't just mean, well, He lives within us. It means He wants to just completely fill us. Let me show you this. Keep your finger there in John 14 and go over to the book of Ephesians for just a moment. You'll see this really clearly in a couple verses in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, this is a verse I used Wednesday night. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22. Paul's talking to the church here and he's reminding us that both individually and corporately That God is creating and building a dwelling place for His Spirit. Notice he says that in verse 22, Ephesians chapter 2. In whom you also, as being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. You say, well, God does dwell in me if I'm a Christian. Right. But He doesn't have every part of us yet. He doesn't have every room of us yet. Uh, He doesn't have every aspect of our lives yet. We haven't turned or yielded or surrendered everything over. And the reason why God wants to do that is He wants to fill us up with Him. Because He knows that that's actually best for us when we are filled up with Him and we don't have all this other stuff crowding God out of our lives. 
We know that because notice at the end of chapter 3, verse 19, when Paul gets to sort of the end of his thought here on this whole process, he even says in Ephesians 3, 19, so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That's the goal. Well, see, Paul doesn't say that you and I are automatically filled to all the fullness of God just because we're saved. No, Paul's saying, this is a prayer of mine for Christians that they would learn to be filled up with all the fullness of God. Well, how can one be filled up with all the fullness of God if we've got all this other stuff and clutter in our lives? We can't. So what the Holy Spirit will do is say, Jeff, you you don't need that. Jeff, Jeff, this is blocking more of, of God coming in. So try to push, you know. So that God can flood into our lives and so we are filled to the full with God. Another ministry of the Holy Spirit. Back to chapter 14 of John. Is that the Holy Spirit is not only our supernatural helper. He not only brings God's presence and makes it real to us. He not only prepares room and makes space for God to dwell in our lives. But he is our ultimate teacher. Look at verse 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I said to you. Yes, God calls certain people to teach His Word, like myself. But ultimately, because I'm human, I can't be your teacher. I can be the human vessel that God uses to bring his word to light to you, but it's got to be the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you, who first of all will fashion God's message to be very personal to you and cause you to hear the things that you need to hear at this very time in your life so that it's not just this sort of generic thing that goes out and is the same for everybody. No, the Holy Spirit literally will take this message even today and he will personally sort of suit it and fit it just to you. That's how he teaches us. In fact, the word teacher means to cause to learn. The Holy Spirit causes us to learn about God and the things of God and the ways of God. And because he is God, no one knows God better than God. That's where sometimes we slip up as human beings because we start relying too much on a human being who cannot know God as well as God does. And we start looking to a human being to be our ultimate teacher rather than to just say, he's my pastor. But he's just the human instrument that brings God's message to my heart and mind. It's the Holy Spirit who lives within me who causes me to learn these things and understand and comprehend and apply them to my life. That's not me. I I could never do that. I don't have the capability to do that as a human being. And then I love this. He also says, oh, and the Holy Spirit will cause you to remember everything I said to you. Can I tell you, as I get older, that even means more? I was like, man, I keep forgetting things, you know, I'm losing it. Right. Well, here's the cool thing. God said, uh, Jesus said, well, when the Holy Spirit comes in, he'll remind you of things. And here's how he does it. It's a great word. It means that the Holy Spirit literally sort of whispers or suggests very quietly into our life so that we can remember. 
It's not like he stirs our memory as much as he literally tells us again some things that we knew but we've sort of forgotten. But he does it quietly. Doesn't that remind you of what the Old Testament says when it says when you try to hear God and listen for God, he doesn't come in the big, you know, earthquake and and the wind and the, the, the storm, but he comes in what? That still, small voice. So here's something really important for us then. Two things out of this passage. If the Holy Spirit is our ultimate teacher, then that means, first of all, you and I need to be teachable. We need to continually bring a teachable spirit, a humble spirit, to the Holy Spirit. And and not come across like we know everything. And that we can't learn anymore. You see. That's one. And then secondly, you and I have got to learn, especially in the day and age in which we live, to find and to be very intentional to carve out some kind of quiet time in our life. Because part of the problem of why Christians are not learning as much from the Holy Spirit as we could be is there's too much noise in our life all the time and we do not quiet ourselves before God to hear that still small voice of His Holy Spirit. Now I'll say this, sometimes we don't want to. So we keep the noise going to sort of drown out the small voice of the Holy Spirit. We can do that too real well. But if the Holy Spirit is going to be our teacher, then we've got to remain teachable and we've got to learn to listen and learn at times to be quiet so we can hear him suggest quietly things into our mind and in our heart to cause us to remember. After all this, this passage this morning in this chapter ends on what many might seem a a sort of odd note. After Jesus says all this about the Holy Spirit to hopefully bring peace and comfort and encouragement to his followers who are freaking out that he's getting ready to leave the earth. Jesus says this. He says in verse 30, I will not speak to you much longer for the ruler of this world, Satan, is coming. He has no power over me. But I am doing just what the Father commanded so that the world may know that I love the Father. Now get up and let's go from here. Now, if you looked at that and then you continued to read the Gospel of John, you'd go, well, they didn't get it because they didn't get up. They didn't move physically. In fact, they don't move physically until chapter 18, verse 1, until Jesus gets his sort of last will and testament, chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, off his chest. So then... What's Jesus mean here? Does he mean something different than get up? Or do the disciples are really thick and they're not listening? Well, it's the, it's the first. The word that Jesus uses here for get up is actually a military word. It's not a word that speaks about physical movement. It's a word that is used as a word of command to beleaguered soldiers. It is a word to beleaguered soldiers to prepare for battle in the assurance that we will be victorious in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to get up. 
In a sense, Jesus is saying, not to the physical body of these followers, but to their minds and hearts, prepare for battle, but do so not in fear. Do so not in anxiety. Do so not in uncertainty. Do so not in doubt. Prepare for whatever battles and challenges and obstacles and difficulties you will face in the coming days and throughout the rest of your life because you can prepare for this battle in the assurance that you will be victorious through me. Because Jesus just said, if the ruler of this world, if he has no power over me, then there is nothing in this universe that has power over me either. Jesus, in a sense, is arguing from the greater to the lesser. If the ruler of this world has no power over me, then nothing you will ever face can have power over me. And if you're in me and I'm in you through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, then nothing should ever have power over you either. And if at any time as a follower of Jesus Christ, someone or something has power over us, it's not because it should. It's because we have given in to that power and we've allowed that person or that thing to have power over us. Because Jesus clearly said, you and I in him and with the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can get up. And we can have the mindset that there is no battle I will ever face, no challenge, no trial, no circumstance, no situation, no season in life where I cannot come out victorious in Jesus Christ because he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he now has given us God the Holy Spirit to not just be with us, but to be in us forever. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Do not be lacking in courage. Peace I leave with you. Take my Holy Spirit. And no retreat. Face the day. Let's pray. While you're seated and we pray, I'm going to ask our worship team to come. and As they're coming, just a couple of thoughts. One, some of you here may say, I can give testimony to the fact that whatever battles we go through in life, we can come through victorious in Jesus Christ. Because I've just come through a battle or a season or a situation or a circumstance or an obstacle or a challenge in my life. And I can testify to the fact that it's true. That no matter what we face, God can bring us through it and we can be victorious in it. Maybe some of you here, you're right in the midst of it right now. You haven't been brought through anything, but you're sort of in the battle right now. And maybe you could even say, even in the midst of my battle, I know that I can be victorious in Jesus Christ. And I am because of Jesus Christ. But maybe some of you needed to be reminded of that today because maybe you are the, like the disciples. You have become a beleaguered soldier, discouraged, in despair, thinking that somehow what you're dealing with or who you're dealing with has more power than you do. 
And maybe you've even given them power that they don't really have over you, but you've allowed them to have that power in your life then I'm praying that you will hear the message of God today and that you will hear the voice of Jesus say into your life through His Holy Spirit, Get up! Get up! Don't retreat and face the battle in the assurance that you are going to be victorious in Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you here today are not going through any battles right now. Then know this, there will come a day where there will be a battle to face. There will be a trial to deal with, some circumstance, some situation, some season in life that's going to be bigger than you are. Where are you going to be when that happens? Are you going to be able to say with assurance, I know that no matter what I face, I will be victorious because I am in Jesus Christ. And there is no one or nothing that has power over him. And if I'm in him and he's in me, then there is no power over me either. So here's what I want to ask today. A little bit unusual. Would any of you, before we sing this last song, would you be willing to say as a testimony... A public testimony. Say, well, I didn't plan on coming to church and giving my testimony. Yes, you could. Would any of you be willing to give testimony today to the words of Jesus that they are truth by standing up right now, by getting up? Amen. Because here's the deal. And some of you may not physically be able to get up, but for those that truly can't say I believe what Jesus said I believe that whatever battle I face that I could be victorious in Jesus Christ that nothing should have power or conquer me that's why Paul said to the Romans we are more than conquerors through him who loves us but if you don't believe that then don't stand and don't sing because God doesn't want people to sing things that they really don't mean And God doesn't want us to testify about things that we really don't believe is true. So right here, right now, you and I have a time of public testimony to one another. That we can say that as we sing this last song, Jesus, I love you. And I know, Lord, that there's nothing that has power over you. And therefore, there's nothing that should have power over me. Jesus, I believe that. Then let's sing it like we mean it this morning. As we end our service this morning in worship to the Lord Jesus.